0: You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, With that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today.
1: Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Sampson! Did you not get the mimo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA.
2: Here's
3: oh! Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City.
1: Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to
0: preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Larry Markinen, Bobby Porter. you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick
1: back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
2: What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com, and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com, and host of the 312 show on AM. 1590 WCGO in Chicago Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Lockdown Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher Google Play, Spotify and anywhere you find podcasts you will find us Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369 Hit us up, we want to hear from you Running into the weekend, getting closer and closer to training camp, anything you guys want to talk about Uh, Anything that we've discussed on this week's episodes, hit us up, 331-979-1369. Tomorrow is the day, Bowling with Bobby Portis. We're super excited for it. So if you're planning to come out, if you're thinking about it, you definitely should. You can buy tickets at Eventbrite.com. That's 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. at King's Dining and Entertainment in Lincoln Park. Once again, you can buy tickets at Eventbrite.com. Uh, search Bowling with Bobby Portis or Locked on Bulls, and you get tickets right there. We'll also also be selling tickets at the door as well. So, if you are planning on showing up, be able to buy tickets straight at the door, too. So, we're looking forward to seeing all our Bulls fans there and everybody. It should be a great event, great afternoon. Bobby, I know, is super excited for it, too. So, if you can make it out, we'd love to see you there. Uh, among all, all these other diehard Bulls fans, it's going to be an excellent afternoon of bowling and Bulls. And most importantly, Getting to hang out and talk and chop it up with Bobby Portis. So get your your tickets at Eventbrite.com or get them at the door tomorrow. That's tomorrow again, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. at King's Dining and Entertainment. Matt, how's it going? Happy Friday to you. We're super excited about this event tomorrow. I'm totally looking forward to it. But how are you doing today on Friday? Um, dude,
0: Jordan, I am. Great. I am stoked, man. Uh, what's going on, Bulls Nation? Happy Friday, as you said. Uh, really looking forward to this event with Bobby tomorrow at Kings in Lincoln Park. Going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, to that end, a quick shout out to our friend Wesley, uh, who has been helping us do some promotion on Instagram. We'll get a, a Locked On Bulls Instagram page going at some point uh, but uh, in the meantime, Wesley's been a great help. Uh, you should be following his Chicago Bulls fan account on Instagram, at Chicago Bulls Central. For the best Bulls content on the app, you'll find Daily Bulls updates, rumors, stats, anything Bulls related. Once again, that's at Chicago Bulls Central. Great follow on Instagram. We uh, we appreciate Wesley's help getting the word out. And really, uh, to all of you, even just people on Twitter who are liking and retweeting all of our stuff about this Bobby event over the past few weeks, we really appreciate that, and obviously some of our listeners are Bulls fans who don't live in or around the, the Chicago area, and uh, even those of you who can't attend, uh, we really appreciate the fact that you're uh, you're interested and engaged, and we'll we'll have. Uh, uh, a, person there doing you know taking pictures taking video so uh once once all the dust is settled at some point next week we'll be sure to share as much of that content that we get tomorrow on our social media you know on twitter and on facebook so those of you who can't attend can uh can get a good glimpse into how the event goes down tomorrow including uh, you know ideally a dramatic finish where you know bobby gets uh, a, a three strike frame in the 10th uh, to to edge Jordan out in the in the final of the best of three matchup. Yeah,
2: well, I was at the bowling alley early this week, and your boy hit a turkey, so. Um, if I get if oh. I get on a heater, man, I'm telling you, it's it's going to be tough for Bobby. That's all I'm gonna say. But then again, if he's if he's averaging 170, 190, I might be in a little bit of trouble. But uh, yeah, I go on a heater and you get the strikes going. It's going to be a good afternoon for me. So that's all I gotta say. I'm just
0: hoping that one of you. I'm hoping that one of you gets a turkey at some point, just so as I'm calling the uh the competition play-by-play style i can use that word because it's just such a silly word uh like what what, like why why is three why is three strikes in a row called a turkey i've never understood that
2: but it should be a whole lot of fun and at the very least we will have audio from the event and for our interview with bobby portis on saturday so we have those for our listeners here at locked on bulls And it should be a great time. So anybody that lives in the Chicagoland area, bring your friends, bring your family. It is a family-friendly event. Um, If you're 21 and over... Beer and alcohol sales, as well as all of the college football games, will be on at Kings tomorrow. So, if you're planning out to go out and drink at the bars and watch college football all day, why not spend it with us at Kings Dining and Entertainment, and also chalk it up with some Bulls talk and Bobby Portis? So, if you're planning on doing that, head over to Kings. It's it's a great deal. Um, so, we're looking forward to seeing all Bulls fans out there. So, we got a couple things shortly to do on the episode today. We've got a voicemail at the back end of the episode, but Matt, you. You touched on a an article that Sam Smith had wrote earlier this week about potential Hall of Famers or Hall of Famers that are not currently in that should maybe be in. Uh, break it down for us our, for our listeners and break it down for me more importantly.
0: Sure. So Sam Smith, you know, the Sam Smith, um, writer of the Jordan Rules, among many other basketball uh, pieces of, uh, you know, basketball books, long-form columns, guy who's been covering this Bulls team for NBA.com since, you know, the old days put out a column yesterday called "Sam Smith's Top Ten Omissions to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame" because, of course, the uh, Hall of Fame inductions are going on this weekend. Really cool class of inductees, including two of the you know probably top ten point guards of all time, and Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, both getting inducted, uh, as well as Chicago native, great player and successful coach at the NBA level, Mo Cheeks. Um, and the man most famous, most famously known for drafting, the man, the myth, the legend, none other than his Aaroness, Michael Jordan, that is Rod Thorne, former GM of the Chicago Bulls, who also had a great deal of success running the New Jersey Nets, taking over that team as a, a terrible team and bringing them all the way to uh, an NBA Finals appearance. So a very cool group, and it inspired Sam to look at some of the people who aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be. And up until last year, this list included another former Bulls executive, Jerry Krause, who posthumously was just inducted last year. The guy who orchestrated both of those three-peat runs for the Bulls. Number one on his list, though, and uh, Jordan, I'm sure you will agree with me to say that this is absolutely valid. Johnny Red Kerr, somehow not in the Hall of Fame. And that is the first person on Sam Smith's list.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Totally agree with that. You brought up Rob Thorne really quick, though. Um, was he a part of that Nets team that brought in John Calipari as head coach, and that was like at the start, or was he just after that? He
0: was just after that. So He's he, he that. came in when that Nets team was a mess, and then um, got Jason Kidd, and you know that uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other pieces. Keith Van Horn, right, was the gigantor white guy center on that Nets team. Uh, oh, that made yeah. the finals appearance. And, um, I want to say, was Carrie Kittle still on that team? Like, that Nets team was not great, but uh, a solid collection of guys. Definitely one of those teams, kind of like the 04 Pistons, where, like, clearly the team was greater than the sum of its parts. And, um, you know, they got smoked in, the, in their finals appearance. Uh, but still, uh, a, a job well done from Rod Thorn there. And, um, People mostly here at Chicago just know him as the guy who drafted Jordan in 84, um, but uh, he had a very successful uh, NBA career across the board, and uh, a, a deserved uh, a deserved entrance into the hall for him. Yeah,
2: John Cal Perry was the head coach 96-99, to 99, and in 97-98, they actually played the Bulls as the 8th seed in the opening round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, obviously, the Bulls took care of them, beat them down nice and easy, so... Uh, but that's pretty cool. While we're talking about this Hall of Fame and while the Hall of Fame's kind of on our mind right now, Matt, is there anybody that you can think of as far as maybe, I'm thinking like more modern style NBA players that have retired in the last handful of years that are without without a doubt first ballot hall of famers or guys that might be on the fringe that you think and eh, there could be a debate on whether or not he's a hall of famer anybody that sticks out to your mind that is recently retired or in the last five years or so
0: mm, i mean obviously like the, when i think of guys who have recently retired who are no doubt hall of famers the first name i think of is tim duncan like obviously that's a first one. ballot hall of famer Will go down as one of the best bigs to ever play this game. A five-time champion, um, I, I mean, you, you say re- recently retired and Hall of Fame bound. The, that, that is the first name I think of. Um, Ray Allen is part of this class. Another guy recently retired, um, you know, known for some some great seasons in the prime of his career with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and then, of course, also the the my, the Boston Celtics 08 championship team, and then uh, defecting from the Celtics to go play for their uh, bitter rival Miami Heat, hitting that clutch three in Game Six of that 2013 final series against the Spurs. You know that that shot will live in NBA lore for the for the ages. Um, and a guy who's at the Hall of Fame ceremonies this weekend to honor and support his former teammate Steve Nash, Dirk. Who isn't retired just yet? But you gotta assume that this is the last one for Dirk,
2: right? This season coming up. Yeah, I gotta assume that. And would you you would say Steve, Na- Steve Nash is definitely a Hall of Famer? Oh, Steve Nash absolutely
0: deserved. Dude, two time MVP. Like you, you go back and look at some of those prime years when he was running that Phoenix offense that was like the best offense in the league by far, and how efficient he was as a shooter and as a passer. No question. Nash is deserving of the Hall of Fame.
2: Him on top of Kobe Bryant too who retired just a handful of years ago, through about 3 years ago now. Um Kobe Bryant comes to my mind without a doubt. I think that's that's not even a question. Um there's a few fringe guys though that even just retired this offseason, decided to hang it up. Is Manu Ginobili a Hall of Famer? Yes. Absolutely. I think so too. I, Absolutely. You think about his story too, coming as a second round pick in the NBA and then just kind of lighting the world on fire being one of the first handful of international players to really have a ton of success and having to work for every everything that he'd got. He wasn't a first round pick, wasn't one of these lottery guys and was built in a system that was perfect going along with Tim Duncan as well and even Tony Parker. That era with Greg Popovich was is probably unmatched and um Without Manu Ginobili and even that Spurs team without Tim Duncan, they're not nearly having the su- the type of success that they oh, did over the last no, twenty years or so.
0: Absolutely not. Manu, along with Duncan and Parker, is you know obviously underneath Greg Popovich. The reason, one of the big reasons that that Spurs team was so successful over such a long period of time. I mean, they won, and so uh, you know Ginobili wasn't there for their first title in '99, the lockout shortened season. Um, when you know it was just the very early beginning of the the Tim Duncan years and it was the Twin towers with him and David Robinson. but he was there for 03, 05, 07 so you know three titles in the span of six years. and then also uh, you know still as the Wiley veteran a part of that uh, 2014 Spurs team that won a title uh, in the back end of, of of Tim Duncan's reign. So absolutely a key piece to four championship teams and a lot of very good playoff teams interspersed throughout that. And then also you, you mentioned it another piece of the puzzle for for uh, you know Manu being a Hall of Fame guy is what he did in it for international basketball and in the
2: competition of international basketball not just the NBA. And so when you look at that and you look at the totality of Manu Ginobili's career Um, It can be expanded because if you look at just his NBA stats, people might say, okay, those numbers don't really jump off the page. His career stats are 13.3 points, 3.8 assists, 1.3 steals, and 2.8 rebounds per game. Nobody in the NBA would really say, okay, that jumps off the page as a Hall of Famer. But like you were saying, what he's done for international basketball, too, and kind of opening that door, along with a few other guys, too, back in the early to late 90s, um, Manu was kind of at the front forefront of that and i think he was at the forefront too of guys who can believe in themselves as second round picks too you know for the, for the majority of the time people just kind of sold off second round picks is like eh they're not really going to turn out to anything and i think now in the modern nba you know, you see the value that picks are held with and even second round picks now. And I think that's kind of opening the door to make people realize that, yeah, you know what, there's actually is value in the second round. But I think, you know, two time all star, a guy that was on the 2002, 2003, all rookie team, uh, two time and all NBA team and a four time NBA champion, along with the sixth man of the year award at 0708. That's probably enough in combination with your international play to get you in
0: Yeah, um, and of course, we haven't mentioned yet, and this is worthy of the Hall of Fame by itself, who could forget Manu, the great bat swiper. Oh, true. I mean, his ninja move, just ninja swiping a bat that was flying around. Um, I think that was a home game, wasn't it? They were uh, Spurs playing a home game, and somehow there was like a bat in the stadium, and it was flying around down around the court, and um, Manu just swiped that thing out of the air like a freaking ninja. Awesome. Um Talking about international players, though, and how international um, competition as a basketball player can help you because, you know, it's, it's not the National Basketball Association Hall of Fame. It's the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, another guy that made Sam Smith's list, looping back to that, um, is a guy who was, of course, a fan favorite during the Bulls' dynasty years, and that's Tony Kukoc. Another guy who, you know, Jerry Krause, before people really started to scout international talent, was you know a the, the star of a pretty good Croatia team that of course Pippen and Jordan made it a point to mop the floor with in those ninety two Olympics in Barcelona as part of the dream team uh, you know run of dynasty, but Kukoc, three time champion, six man winner, perennial six man of the year candidate, um, especially in the Bulls ninety eight season when everybody was old and they were running on fumes. Pippen had a bad back. Rodman was battling injuries. Pippen, or sorry, Kukoc started 17 playoff games uh, on their run to that 98 title, including every single game of the finals, part two against the Jazz in 98. But see, and you mentioned, you know, you know Manu, like, well, okay, so his career points per game average was like 13. Kukoc, 11.6 points per game career average over 13 years. I just, I don't know. And yes, he was a great, uh, a great piece of that international movement of getting international talent to the NBA, and was a guy who played very well for uh, a very respectable Croatian uh, Croatian team for international basketball competitions over the years. I just don't know if I'm putting Tony in the hall. I just don't know if he's got enough of a
2: resume. Yeah, I don't know. Both of those guys, between him and Manu, I think, are kind of borderline guys that could be argued or guys that could just be included as the hall of very good. Yeah. There's a ton of NBA players that kind of hang out in that stats realm. So but I don't would, even wouldn't know. Wouldn't you agree if that
0: you I, would put Manu in ahead of Tony?
2: Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, okay. And just the way that, like, Manu started his career at 25 in the NBA. And nowadays, that's ridiculous. Like, 25, you're already way behind the curve. And all the things that he was able to do and play all the way up until he was 40 years old, like, that that's kind of unheard of in the NBA now. you got guys that are coming in at 19, 20 years old. In having five years of experience before Manu even made his appearance, like back then, um, that's also a feat in itself is to start your NBA career at 25. So, um, kudos to him. I think there's a lot of people that could argue one way or another whether or not Ginobili should be in uh, in the Hall of Fame. But ultimately, I think his resume is definitely good enough. If you look at the in his entire basketball career not just in the nba we got to take a short break here on locked on bulls but we come back we're taking one voicemail before we head into the weekend remember you can hit us up at 331-979-1369 that's our text in voicemail line we want to hear from you hit us up 331-979-1369 stay right here with us at locked on bulls be back in 60 seconds
0: Welcome back into locked on bulls, Matt Peck and Jordan Malley hanging out with you on Friday, getting you ready for the weekend. We are getting excited for our bowling with Bobby Portis event tomorrow at Kings of Lincoln park. Uh, Kings Dining and Entertainment, located 1500 North Clybourne Avenue in the heart of Lincoln Park on the north side of Chicago. It is our headquarters for Bowling with Bobby. It should be your football headquarters all season long. 222 foot bar, the longest bar in the city of Chicago. Full service restaurant and over 50 HD TVs, not to mention their 16 pristine 10 pin bowling lanes, four billiards tables, air hockey, darts, and more. Really looking forward to hanging out at Kings tomorrow. Should be a great time. Uh, as Jordan said in the intro, tickets will be available at the door. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you can buy your tickets today at eventbrite.com, search bowling with Bobby, or you can show up tomorrow, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., anytime in that window. Get there early, obviously, if you want to get all the action. Um, Tickets available at the door. King's Dining Entertainment. Super stoked to be there. With that, let us take a voicemail from one of our regulars, Nick.
3: What's up, guys? Nick with checking back in with you. Uh I was listening to the past two, three podcasts that that's put out, and in response to the gentleman, I forget his name, it's been a long day, so please forgive me, but the gentleman who believes that we are going to win 35 to 40-plus games, I don't think he's that far off. And I say that because if you put it in this perspective, under Fred Hoiberg, our development is soft. Our play style is kind of thrown off. As you said, Jordan, you know, his rotation sucks. He just doesn't know how to handle talent. And that's why I think he flourished in college because college, I mean, especially Iowa State, he didn't really have talent. It's nothing compared to the NBA. So, if you take, for example, Tom Thibodeau, he led Derrick Rose to flourish. So yeah, he didn't want to play rookies, but if you look at all the players Tom Thibodeau has ever had while wearing a Chicago Bulls uniform, they have prospered. Yeah, he was hard on them. He probably drove them into the ground. Their knees are made out of chalk now. It comes at a price. I understand that. Maybe not go as hard as Tom Thibodeau, but I don't think to answer his his ideology of, of, of winning 35 to 40 games, I don't think it's going to happen under Fred Royver. If we had Brad Stevens, if we had Tom Thibodeau, if we had a different coach that was well equipped with NBA, we could hit, easily hit 35, 40, if not more than 40 once with this roster. For sure, without a doubt. But as long as Fred Oyberg is our coach, we won't hit 35-40 wins. It'll be on the players. If the players can come together and coach each other and flourish by themselves, for sure, we'll be on. But I don't see Fred Oyberg really bringing us any success. So um, it, it really doesn't make any sense to make the playoffs because we're not winning a championship. I don't believe in making the playoffs if we're not going to go all the way. It's pointless. Hope all is well with everybody, the listeners, you, Jordan, you, Matt, and uh, Bulls family, we're almost there. Boss is coming pretty soon so let's get ready for another season and uh, see red talk to
0: you guys later thanks for the call nick jordan you want to uh, touch on this one first
2: yeah i think this has just kind of been an ongoing conversation between a lot of fans out there and like i've said before and we've had callers come in and tell us before that i think that they think i'm crazy to think that fred Hoyberg could potentially be um the head coach of the future of this bulls team and People doubt what he's able to do as a head coach. You know, Sports Illustrated just put out a pretty decent article uh, this week about Fred Hoiberg and how it's kind of the make or break as far as whether he can stay as longevity as a coach in the NBA and the pieces that he's had around him. And kind of goes through the backstory, too, if you've kind of forgotten how Fred Hoiberg got here, what he did in his first couple of years. It was a really good piece, so I I recommend that highly. I think the ultimate question is, in the ultimate statement here is that this Bulls team, that Nick at least feels that this Bulls team is not going to untap that next level of potential if Fred Hoiberg's still the head coach. Now, I don't necessarily believe that right now, and I think it's going to open our eyes a ton this season when we actually get to see him with some talent. I don't know if I necessarily agree that Fred Hoiberg can't manage talent because you look at that Jimmy Butler, that Dwayne Wade, that John Rondo team... Like, that team wasn't very good. They were riding the coattails of Jimmy Butler, and he was still able to scrape up 40 wins when, realistically, you didn't even have a point guard. Like, at that point, think about the point guard group that we had playing in that 2016-2017 loop. Like, they were trying to test out guys like Michael Carter Williams to run your offense, and on top of that, you've got guys playing pivotal roles like Paul Zipser throughout the regular season. Like Fred Hoiberg deserves a little bit of credit for scraping up 40 wins with that team. And I know Jimmy Butler is majority part of that help. Uh, but I don't necessarily believe that Fred Hoiberg can't deal with talent or can't manage with talent. How do you feel about that?
0: I mean, I, I think it's something that we've touched on in, on this show before. And I think it's uh, one of the areas of this Bulls team over recent years where you and I are not on the same page. And it is the fact that you have faith in Fred Hoiberg. And right now, yes, I know... You have to cut him some slack because of he didn't have the right pieces um, in in his first couple of years, and last year he was essentially coaching a team that was supposed to lose. Even still, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Fred being an upper level coach at the NBA uh, at the NBA level. I I mean Nick's point about does this Bulls teams with their collection of talent coming into this eighteen nineteen season does their win total shift? Significantly, if you replace, if you swap out Brad Stevens for Fred Hoiberg? And my answer to that is hell yeah. Yeah, it would. I don't know how many wins it would add, but with this season and the Bulls trying to be competitive as opposed to trying to tank, if you take a team that's trying to win and has this collection of talent, I absolutely. I mean, I'd say probably five. I'd I'd give Brad Stevens five more wins with this group than than Fred Hoyberg will be able. Whatever Fred Ho- Fred will manage this season, assuming he- you know relatively healthy across the board, no major injuries. Yes, but there, there's no question. Brad Stevens is a better coach than Fred Hoiberg. I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Fred. I don't know what the Bulls front office is thinking right now as far as what they need to see from Fred this season to decide, are we going to keep him for the fifth and final year of his contract and beyond? I would be very surprised if they decide to keep him beyond. I, I, I would be surprised if he gets fired mid-season this season, and I think maybe like the the most likely outcome, based on what the Bulls do in year two of the rebuild, the first year trying to win games, is we'll give Fred another year and we'll evaluate. And then probably at the end of his fifth and final year, they're gonna they're gonna find a new coach and they're gonna look elsewhere. Cause I I, I don't know. I haven't they they give him kind of like hollow, empty votes of confidence and, and every once in a while when the media asks them about Fred's coaching performance and his job security. None of it has ever you know, n- none of it has ever sounded convincing to me. I don't think that they are super attached to Fred Hoiberg. And I don't think they should
2: be. So to me, I just I can't think of anybody off the top of the head, my head, that where I am like, okay, they're gonna be re- they're gonna be ready to move on from a different team. They're ready for the next step. They're gonna come in here and dominate it as a head coach. There is not too many head coaches out right out there that I feel like can fill that position. At the same time, though, it's it's not to say, oh well, just because you can't find anybody better and Fred Hoiberg might not be doing the job, doesn't mean you can't replace him. I'm not saying that, but I think there's still potential with this lineup, and I think what Fred Hoiberg does, especially with Jabari Parker this season, I know he's said to start at the three, and if they can find ways to utilize him and find ways to cover up those gaps on defense, that's going to be a plus for Fred Hoiberg, and I think Fred Hoiberg having 10 guys that he's willing and comfortable to play with throughout, I think is good. None of these Bulls rosters had guys outside of, like, six, seven guys, Fred Weber really had faith in like going out there and playing and actually looking for development. So if that's what he's trying to do with marketing with Dunn, with Levine, and even with Carter in his first year, I think that's that's his ticket to success. And I've said it before, marketing I think 100%. If Markkinen looks like a borderline all-star this season, like that's Fred Hoiberg's ticket to stay here long-term. And then whatever he does with Wendell Carter Jr. too, if he potentially has those two guys rolling in their first year together, I think that might be able to save Fred Hoiberg's job. And I ultimately don't think he's that bad of a coach. And what we wanted from this team is to start running faster, to shoot, to go from a defensive-minded team a few years ago to an offensive-based, fast-paced team kind of the way the Rockets have been playing, kind of the way the Warriors have been playing, the commitment to offense and not really worrying about what you're going to do on defense. I don't know if that's necessarily going to work with this Bulls team.
0: We saw we, we saw the Bulls' offensive pace increase tremendously last season, the first season where it wasn't Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and ISO and slow pace of play. But there's a difference between p- playing that pace and space offense and increasing your team's offensive pace and doing so efficiently. The Bulls were one of the least offensively efficient teams in the league last season. Yeah, they were playing at a faster pace, but they weren't doing it successfully. They weren't doing it well. And again, sure, they were kind of, you know, not so secretly tanking, and they did not have a whole lot of talent on that roster. So you can't blame all that on Fred. But to your point about, I, you can't think of somebody, you know, right off the top of your head that you would absolutely just want to replace Fred Hoiberg with, and maybe there isn't a great reason to fire Fred if you don't know who it is that's going to come in and replace him. I disagree with that. Because, and and, and I think that the front office doesn't see it that way as far as the the logistics of how they view who is sitting in that head coaching seat. Because do do you think that the Bulls front office really thought that Fred Hoiberg was overall a better basketball coach than Tom Thibodeau when they fired Tibbs and replaced him with Fred? I don't think so. You know, there's a growing number of Tibbs haters among Bulls fans and Timberwolves fans because, oh my gosh, is he really going to go out and sign the aging Lou Dang and the aging and, you know, useless Joakim Noah and reassemble the 2011-12 Chicago Bulls? And he's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of flack for that on Twitter right now. And there are people like Fred who are like, oh, he plays these guys too many minutes. But come on. Coach of the year led a team to a 20-win improvement in his first year of, on the job, and for a string of what what was what was it five seasons, had one of the league's best defenses year in and year out. Dragged some Bulls teams that didn't have Derrick Rose and were missing other key pieces due to injuries to the playoffs, respectable playoffs appearances. You know, beating the best teams in the league throughout the season, and then challenging them in playoff series. I mean, to to sit here and say that the Bulls front office needs to know who's replacing Fred before they fire Fred. No, they'll just, they'll find another guy that they have their reasons to, to sell to the fan base and their reason to be optimistic about.
2: I think good things are going to happen with this roster, but ultimately, like I said before, I think the, the whole point goes back to Fred Hoiberg and how does, how does he keep his job long-term? I think it's going to come down to marketing. And more importantly, I think it's going to come down to Wendell Carter Jr. too.
0: I And look, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Fred to, to find some success developing this young talent as you're talking about, and you're, you're probably right. If the front office looks at the development of Markinen in year two, what they see from Wendell in his rookie season, how Fred manages to make a successful rotation when you're talking about finding minutes at the three and the four for Jabari and what that does to Bobby Portis and Markinen and Wendell, the other members of that front court what kind of development, if any, we can see from campaign and whether or not he's actually worthy of being a backup point guard on this team. like that? Those will be the criteria for the front office judging Hoiberg's job performance this season, which after two years of not having the right pieces and a year of purposefully losing, they've said, okay, we're done tanking. We want to be a competitive team. We're striving to get back to the playoffs this season. Can Fred do that, and what does this young core look like from opening night, October 18th or whatever it is, to the uh, you know, the middle of April. And are the bulls playing in, uh, into April? And if so, what do those young pieces look like? And from there, they'll decide whether or not Fred's worth keeping around for his fifth and final year. I hope we see signs of quality coaching and player development at Fred's tutelage this season. I'm not convinced it's going to
2: happen. I think some Bulls fans feel like it's already too late for Fred Hoiberg to make it make it up. Like the way I'm saying is like long term for him. Is there anything he can do this season that could solidify himself for a long term extension for anything like that, uh, or to get back in the good graces of some Bulls fans who just kind of want to write him off right now? Is there anything he can do this season, or do you think it's too far of an uphill battle where the negatives outweigh the positives?
0: I I mean. I I think there's a wide spectrum of among Bulls Nation as far as those who believe in Fred Hoiberg and those who don't. If there's anything singular, you know, singularly that he can do this season to prove that he actually is a guy who's worthy of an NBA head coaching job and is the guy to continue working on this rebuild, run an efficient offense that has a lot of guys with individual agendas, make it work. What's that dude from Project Runway, Tim Gunn? Make it work, Fred. That is Fred's task this season. If Fred can make Jabari look good and make Levine an efficient player and get either of them to give half a shit on defense and make sure that Markkanen is still developing in his second season and make sure that Chris Dunn is doing what he needs to do on a nightly basis. If if, if Fred makes this young core look better than advertised and they go out and win well over their projected 28.5 games... And, says, and Fred is the one who can say to everyone, see, see, there is talent here, and we can work with this talent, and I can work with this talent. Maybe he wins back some of the faith of the Bulls fans who have given up on him. And, and I, I, I would, you know, count myself among that group, because I, I right now am very skeptical about Fred making all this work this season, and if he proves me wrong, clearly the front office wouldn't ignore that.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be an important job for Fred as far as the offense goes, but Two, it's it's going to be a uphill battle for Jim Boylan, associate head coach, who's oh. kind of taking over the defense side of the ball.
0: This this is going to be one of the five worst defenses in the league, guaranteed. Uh, outside of outside of Chris Dunn, who on this team is playing defense?
2: Wendell Carter Jr. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> Maybe Bobby Portis. No. Maybe no. Outside no. of that, there's nobody I can point no. to that says, has, you know, average, no. above average, or elite level defensive skills. Where, where are you at, David Nwaba? Come yeah, back, seriously. David Nwaba. <laughs> well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Bowling with Bobby Portis tomorrow at Kings in Lincoln Park. Get your tickets on Eventbrite.com. Search Locked On Bulls or Bowling with Bobby. We'll be there. Tickets at the door available there to Kings Dining and Entertainment 2 to 6 p.m tomorrow, that's 1500 North Clybourne Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com slash Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369 once again bullying with bobby portis tomorrow we'd love to see you there so bring your friends bring your family tell everybody we'll see you there tomorrow if you're planning to join us it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun so an afternoon with bobby portis chalking it up talking bulls watching college football it's going to be a great day so join us tomorrow you you forgot
0: the part where uh, he kicks your ass uh, on the lane. Uh, that's
2: two to be, two be determined. Okay. To be determined. So we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow. So if you can't make it, if you don't live in the Chicagoland area, we'll have plenty of great content for you from this weekend's event next week. So look forward to that. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day be back on monday with a fresh episode we hope to see you at bowling with bobby portis for jordan and matt
1: we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba Hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.